Welcome to Feeling Asian, a podcast where two Asians talk about their feelings. I'm Young Me Mayor. And I'm Brian Park. And before we introduce our wonderful guest today, we're going to do our Patreon shout outs. Patreon. For those of you who are not aware, Patreon is this platform where you can support creators. And if you like our content, please consider making a donation to our Patreon at patreon.com slash feeling Asian. Uh, Young Me and I offer exclusive content uh, f- for different subscription tiers. Um, if you donate $25, someone actually donated $25 Woo! for the handmade t-shirt. So Woo! looks like I'm- we got to bust out our crafts. Young Me. <laughs> <laughs> I always threaten people if they donate a lot of money to give them things that they do not want. So $25 is now a handmade t-shirt. Remember, yeah. $100 a month gets you a stick and poke tattoo. Yeah. That you must get from me, <laughs> whether you like it or not. And at the very minimum, any donation amount gets you a shout out on this podcast. Which, yeah, which we're doing now. Which we're about to do. And what it entails is Young Me and I tap into our psychic abilities to guess who you are as a person. Are you ready for our first shout it. out, Young Me? Yeah, I'm ready. First shout out goes to C-I-Z-I. Sizzy? Sizzy. Sounds Chinese. It might be like Sichi. Sichi? Oh, okay. (laughs) But that could have been offensive just right now. Sichi. Sizzy. Yeah. First of all, hot. A hot (laughs) name. I love names like that. Like Um, Sizzy? Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me um, me of CC, which I feel like- The pizza place? CC's pizza? No, I just feel like CC, the name, always has like rich girl vibes. Do you know what I mean? It's like short for Cynthia or something. I, I don't get rich girl vibe. I see. Because they own CC's pizza, pizzeria <laughs> chain. I see like juicy tracksuit with the name CC. On the butt? <laughs> On the butt. That's kind of a rich girl thing. Rich in 2003. <laughs> true, true. Circa 2003, rich girl. I'm s- I really want to get a tracksuit with juicy on the butt. You should. You have the Uggs already. I do. So I do have the well. Uggs already. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm getting rich girl, CZ, rich girl vibes. I'm going to guess yeah. that CZ is uh, a fine arts major at Parsons. Yeah. That's my I final definitely answer. Agree. Yeah. Yeah. Which is the same thing as rich girl vibes. Very healthy hair. <laughs> okay. I think we figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> Are you ready for a second shout out? Yes. Lucy Chin. Q-I-N. Lucy Chin. Lucy in the sky with I Lucy Lucy. I see extremely intelligent. I see Canada. This person lives in Canada. Oh, what do they do in Canada? Tapping into the psychic energy. You're they like just extremely rich in Vancouver. <laughs> <laughs> I this is I see they wear a lot of hoodies. Oh, that's what I'm getting. They wear a lot of hoodies because they're a coder. Yes. Astrological sign Taurus. Sun in Taurus. She's the 1%. She wears hoodies. She's also rich. She's just so rich that clothes and consumer goods bring zero joy to her. It's like that Steve Jobs thing. We've talked about this, how he had one outfit because he's too important to think about clothes. She can't be bogged down (laughs) by decision paralysis. She's got too many things to code. Yeah, I think that's that's right for Lucy. All right. Our last shout out for this episode goes to 
Oscar Lee. Oscar is the hottest name. I have to say, I always say that for every name. Oscar, that's Fuck. that's a good name, man. Oscar is a very good name. If you're an Asian guy named Oscar, that's your fuck you. I'm I don't jealous. think I've ever met an Asian man named Oscar. So you're just saying that it, it's just hot Spanish dudes named Oscar? Yes, the one Oscar I know is a hot Spanish. <laughs> I was actually thinking about that. How did you know? You know that, pa- that pause was you being lost in thoughts. Woo! The hot Oscar back, I know. I, ho- I hope he's not listening to this. The hot Oscar I know, once I went over to his apartment and he lived in like this like punk house, you know, you walk in and there's this like it's a basement and it's like skateboards and stuff everywhere. And I was so, like, wait, this wait, is wait, so wait. hot. So basically it's this just a man, ca- it's a man cave. But this was but like in San Francisco, really, like in the really mission. But then if you're really attracted you know? to the person, yeah. then it becomes a cool, hot punk house. It's like when you go <laughs> when you go into like a trap house, but the guy's really hot. So you're like, I don't care that the mattress oh, is, is on the floor and like it's stained with, there's like blood or something on it. I'm like, man, I, I'm in love with him. This <laughs> is like, you go to take a shower. It's just like a raw faucet coming out of like a, like a, like a concrete Chef wall. Ca- empty Chef Boyardee can on the ground and you're like he doesn't play by the rules he doesn't uh, give a shit he's a rebel <laughs> <laughs> I'm in love so are these the vibes you're getting from yes, Oscar Lee uh-huh. yep <laughs> hit me up Oscar Oscar Lee stop ghosting me please for the love of God just respond to young me's Friends, DMs like, please <laughs> she won't shut the fuck up about <laughs> <it>. <laughs> all right I think that those are all really accurate. I, I think we did a good job on these round of shout outs. <laughs> if you notice that they got less uh, less vulgar, it's because someone got really mad at us. About it's not someone. It has been like 18 uh, people. Like a lot of people don't <laughs> like one, our sex guesses. That one time I was like, this person likes anal. <laughs> and I went off about it for like eight minutes. <laughs> 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 a complete stranger and they're listening to it like all right i this is great well if you want to get a shout out on this podcast or if you just like our content in general once again please consider donating to our patreon at patreon.com slash feeling asian i promise i won't say you like anal <laughs> <laughs> uh and without further ado young me i'm going to introduce our guest i'm so excited Guys, I'm really, really excited for our guest this week. He is a photographer, for one. He has a new book titled Down by Canal, which is a collection of street photography shot in Chinatown. That's where I live. That is where Young Me lives. And he is also an incredibly talented video editor. Please give your ears to Tet Jaw. Hey, hey guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for doing the pod. <laughs> Hi, young me and Brian. Hi, we're so excited to have you. Thank you. Thank you. I know you're you're recording from Ithaca, New York. Ithaca, yes. This is where I grew up in upstate New York. Wow. Yeah, Born you, and you raised. have a wooden dresser behind you, and anytime I see wood and furniture, I'm like, that's extremely <laughs> upstate vibes. <laughs> This, I'm actually in my mother's room because she has much better light than my bedroom. <laughs> nice. That dr- so that's why you see all this. <laughs> that what? What's all the stuff behind you? I see like... Um, so this thing here is like, it's like an ancient like mm. donation thing that you bring to monks and monasteries and you put food and stuff in there. 
Um, oh. And people bring these to, to the monasteries to donate to the monks. That's fucking awesome. It's beautiful. And I love how casually yeah. and cavalierly you said it. You're like, this is just some fucking Antique. ancient, <laughs> ancient <laughs> bowl you served to monks at monasteries. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, no one uses this anymore, but it's kind of, it's a decorative yeah. item. That's some, that's some Asian shit right there, though. It's like, Every piece of furniture or like cool dish has some crazy background meaning. It's everything is 5,000 yeah. years old. <laughs> no, that, Maybe yeah. the word ancient is too, too epic of the word describing. Like it's from 1987. Back in the old times. You're like between us, I got it on Wayfair. <laughs> Yeah. I got it at Pier One. You know, yes, Walmart. You know how, like, yeah, how Pier One they have those like green like Buddha heads that are just spray painted green and like random. Like you'll walk oh, yeah, into like a white person's house and they'll randomly have one in there. They all have it. They all have it. Every white person in Malibu has the green head Buddha from Pier One Imports in their foyer. That's true. <laughs> in their foyer. Um, <laughs> Tat, before we ask you how you feel. Young me, how do you feel? <clears throat> well, I just had, I'm not gonna, I love, I love getting like dishing dirt on my podcast and then being like, oh, people listen to this. Dish, I just, you, you, you got to dish the dirt. Now. I feel chaotic. Oh my God. Why? What's going on? Well, I have, I have, What's the chaos? I have Mino, my son, because, um, I've been watching him for a long time now. Right, right. Um, he's going back to his dad's tomorrow, but he's here today. Um, and I always feel so chaotic because, you know, it's just, it's, I like being a single parent because it's like, you know, I, I have like chunks of time to do personal stuff when he's with his dad, yeah. but it's also kind of hard because I miss him when he's gone. And then when he's with me, it's just like full time, you know? And so I like don't have time to do anything kind yeah, of. And I, yeah. I feel very like hectic in my head at mm. those times. Cause it's like every little thing, if I have to go to the grocery store, it's just, it's just so much harder and it's like fun, but it's hard. Yeah. And it's different than having two parents, you know? Cause right. if you go to the grocery store, that's like, you're like, you have a, somebody to help you. But then yesterday we went to Trader Joe's and I was like, you know, I just said to him, like, I told him, I was like, you know, this is, a, this is fun, but this is also really stressful. And he said, oh, for me, it's mostly fun. And I was like, oh, that's Aww. so cute. And then I was like, you're right. That's, this is fun. <laughs> um, that's awesome. But then, oh, but then today my friend called me with like some chaotic, like gossip in the morning. Yeah. And so I was on the phone Ooh, with her a Sunday a, and I for, a I Sunday forgot, morning gossip. I forgot how much I love drama. Messy, oh, messy shit. drama. You're going to spell the tea. All right. So 2021 what? hot, messy drama. You know, when people are like, I don't, I, I like, I don't like drama. I want a drama free life. I'm like, have you ever experienced drama? Cause it's fun. I'm like the drama free life. Really? <laughs> Nothing. I like your honesty. I love gossip and fucking drama. Come on, guys. Like, you know when, like, your neighbor is like, oh, my neighbor's husband cheated with the yoga instructor. You're like, that? I live for that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm just like... <laughs> like that? I, I live for that. I live. I get it. And so... It's more fun, for sure. Yeah. I've I, definitely done that many times where you're like, fuck it. Cause this is going to make, give me a feeling of like, I'm on a roller coaster that like your stomach turns yeah. a little bit. You're like, let's just lean into it, baby and fuck some shit up. 
even when the drama involves me, I'm like, ooh, I get to feel angry. <laughs> I like, I tweeted this thing. I was like, I wish I had like a really crappy boyfriend that cheated on me. Cause like, I wanted to like, I want to like spend an afternoon throwing someone's clothes out my window. Like that sounds so much fun. Oh my God. <laughs> I've never heard this perspective before. But it that is. sounds it fun. Makes, uh, yeah. Yeah. It makes sense though. I right? totally get it. And then you just cry, cry you, all night. You have like a very, um, when let's say like in this instance, if the boyfriend's so much shittier of a person than you, yeah, it's just a singular clear target for all of this like emotional catharsis to direct yeah, at. Yeah, exactly. Versus if you're exactly. like the if you're the worst person, a lot of it's gonna be like, fuck, why am I such a piece of shit? I don't know why <gasps> yeah. I did that. But then if the boyfriend's way shittier, hundred percent, you're just like, you're a fucker. You like these clothes? Well, fuck you. Go pick them up. Yeah, you don't have to think about how much you suck. <laughs> right, exactly. That's a really good wow. point. That's a good point this is a because breakthrough here. I yeah, because I also I was like, I also tweeted the other day. I was like, it wouldn't be fun if you had like a really shitty boyfriend, so you could just focus on him cheating on you instead of focusing about the fact that your life is falling apart. Wow. <laughs> like, I don't want to think about like COVID. You know what I mean? I don't want to think about like my finances are fucked. <laughs> I don't want to think about improving myself. Uh-uh. I want to I want to focus on something fun. Like listeners, this is a feeling Asian advice right here. Get a shitty boyfriend. Date someone who is way shittier than you. Then Just you don't a have to bad ever think. Careful what you wish for. <laughs> Just yeah. a bad person. Careful what you wish for. <laughs> Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> uh oh. Ted is giving us a little glimpse of his chaos. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, that's, I don't know. No, but I feel like, um, so I'm just, how I'm feeling right now is just enjoying high drama. High drama. Love it. How about you, Brian? How are you feeling? You know, I'm feeling really good right now. Okay, what's because, happening? Drama? <laughs> well, no, there's no no drama. I've, this is me foolishly. Well, as history has a way of repeating itself, so I am going to say foolishly. So much optimism for this year. I clean. I deep clean my apartment. I wrote down all my goals for the year. Wow. I sent some. I sent some emails that are like you know what. These emails are really going to change things around for me. And wow. so I'm just coasting on this optimism right now. I feel good. Wow. Yeah. So you did like this whole like bringing in the new year routine thing and it made you feel better. Yep. And I do that every year and it lasts for about two weeks. So hopefully this will last a bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say this, how we're feeling today is so classic young me and Brian. Oh, I'm like 1000%. I'm like chaos. And I'm like, I wrote in my planner. I feel good. <laughs> uh, we're back on our bullshit. Yeah. Like I ran three and a half miles yesterday. What? Yeah. Wow. You are back on your bullshit. I'm, I'm back on my bullshit. This happens to me every year though. So take it with like the biggest grain of salt. Well, I mean, I, I'm just like so blown away by this is how we react to stress and stuff like that. Cause also besides the drama, I sent out some chaotic, chaotic DMS like let's go on a date or yes. Okay. <laughs> and so this is how I feel like we're both going through something. <laughs> <laughs> Tet, how are you feeling? Um, I'm feeling fine for the most part. Uh, I had a really busy end of the year so now it's like 
I, I finish all that work and I have a lot of time for myself. So I'm also kind of like you trying to do my own projects at the moment. But I've taken like a few days off just doing nothing and relaxing. And that always makes me feel a bit guilty. Like now I'm like, okay, I really need to get going, you know? So are you, that's, that's where I'm at. Would you describe yourself as a workaholic? I never thought of myself that way, but I definitely say yes to too many gigs and end up working a lot. Mm. But I definitely like relaxation. Like I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm naturally a workaholic. But you feel guilty when you take a few days off work? Yeah. Would you? <laughs> I feel like we've had so many people, so many guests say that. Yeah. Would you say that? W- do you think that every day you do a little bit of work usually? Um. Yeah, I would mm-hmm. say. I would say so. Because, um, like you don't have like a set, ske- uh, like a set work schedule. Yeah, I don't, I don't really have a set schedule, but sometimes like I feel like I. I'm a bit too scattered because I have a lot of interests. So I'll try to do like one thing here and one thing there. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I want to, I should, I feel like I should focus on just one trajectory, you know? Right. See, I feel like that's so common and no one really talks about how so many people I know now, they have like this freelance schedule and like not like a set work schedule. Yeah. So what ends up happening is all of us are just always working every day and and like the same thing, if we do take like a day off, like a set weekend or something, right. then we feel guilty. For right? sure. Yeah. For and sure. I feel like that's so common now. I'm the it's same crazy. way too. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like every day I'm like, I try to do like a project or, you know what I mean? No, I definitely get that because when I used to have a corporate job, that feeling of guilt did not exist for me. So when you're done at like five, you're just done. Yeah. I'm like, I've earned this. But now that I'm more on a freelance schedule, any moment that I'm chilling for too long, then I fucking berate myself and feel like a piece of shit. <laughs> well, I'm a little bit different. Uh, when I had a corporate gig, I still felt guilty because I never felt like that's exactly what I wanted to do. So I, I felt mm. the pressure to do my own stuff outside of it. And right. a lot of times I don't because after after that job, it's like I'm drained a bit, you know, but at the same time, I tell myself that's an excuse. Like I, I should, I should muster up the energy to do my own stuff. So then you were feeling guilty that you didn't have enough energy to do what you really wanted to do after. Yeah, work. but it was just more like I'm like I, I I can just I can do it. I, I can I can push through it. But a lot of times I don't because I'm like oh I just worked a full day and I just want to chill. You Damn. Know? So in other yeah. words, when you're not working. You're feeling guilty, Ted. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of guilt over here, I guess. Um, So you're recording with us from Ithaca. And yeah, are you did you grow up there? Yeah, I grew up here. uh, Born and raised. Starting from eight. No, no, I was born in Burma, in Myanmar. Um, I came here when I was nine years old and I grew up in Ithaca since like nine to high school. That is fucking crazy. Okay, for one. I'm just going to say on the record, I am an idiot. I don't know a lot about Burma and Myanmar. Most people don't. Like, I know yeah. there was a name change at some point. Could you just like tell us a little bit what that was like and maybe a little bit of the history? Yeah, what was your childhood, like, was your childhood like, like before nine? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, Myanmar, I grew up, I was born there and I grew up under my grandparents' house. And so it was like my grandparents and my mother, they raised me. Um, 
I don't think we, I don't know if we have time to get into like my dad's story. He has like a crazy story, but that's just like kind of long and it's, it's, it's Wait. interesting, but it's long. Um, Wait, I just said I love drama. Is it dramatic? Is it dramatic? <laughs> I, yeah, I guess. <laughs> Give us like a, a little taste, like a, a little yeah. teaser. What do you mean? He was like a student activist leader in Burma and, um, you know, he was fighting for democracy and um, for for his you know activities of protest, uh, he was sentenced to life in prison in Burma. Oh my god! Oh my god! And um, so he was able to get out after five years after Amnesty International passed a law to release political prisoners. So he um, he got out after five years of you know like abuse and torture Jesus. in the prison. Uh, and then uh, he met my mom afterwards, and you know. They had me and my sister, and when I was three, he left the country to form his own group to kind of fight, kind of a rebellion to fight back Mm. against the militia. And um, they were they were in in the jungles of like you know Burma and Thailand for a while, and and then he came to the U.S. and he studied at Cornell. So he that's why Cornell um, is in Ithaca. So that that's how me, my mother, and my sister ended up in Ithaca. Uh, so I didn't see him until I was nine, because I don't remember him when I was like two years old or whatever. You know? oh, so I he see. came to the States before you, and then you, your family joined him when you were nine years old. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Wow, that's oh, such an interesting... That's crazy. I'm so glad that you told us the story. Wait, You're like, so... Oh, okay. <laughs> what, like, so Burma is not a democracy. What wasn't a democracy? Like what was like sort of the I government mean, layout there? Yeah. I mean, right now they're, they're, they're working towards a, a type of democracy, but back then it, w- it was a military regime. Mm. Um, and did yeah, this shift a- towards embracing or instilling democracy coincide with the name change from Burma to Myanmar? Or is that a separate thing? That's a separate thing. Um, that, that was kind of the military wanting to change it before for nationalistic reasons because Burma was like kind of like a British term because mm. it was colonized by Britain. Oh. oh, wow. That's so interesting. Like on your website, for instance, you refer to yourself as Burmese American. Is that just a preferred term or is it interchangeable? Like, would you say like I'm from Myanmar or? I mean, Burmese is like the, the people and, and the language. Mm. So, but I, I don't, I don't care. I don't really go by... I don't really introduce myself as Burmese American. I think that's just like from my website and right. to, to, show, to, to, to tell about my background a little bit. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Okay. So you grew up in Burma and then you moved to Ithaca, New York, <clears throat> which is, yeah. I imagine is very different. Yeah. How was that? <laughs> how was that transition for you? Yeah. Yeah. When we first like landed in Ithaca, I, I believe it was like, yeah, it was in October and uh, it was maybe about 50 degrees, and I thought it was like freezing cold. Because <laughs> um, Burma is like 90, 100, you know, yeah. it's like every day. Um, and then, like, actually, like at the Ithaca Journal, the local papers here, they were there to like photograph us, and we were like in the story because my father, for his uh, freedom, freedom fighting or whatever. So it's like, Whoa. oh, Whoa. family rejoin after seven years of separation and stuff um wow that's so crazy that was kind of funny yeah. but Ithaca is i mean i thought it was great you know i always like to travel to new places as a little kid so um 
or at least I liked being in new places. Not that I traveled much as a kid, but Ithaca was, I don't know, it's, it was so different. You know, there was snow, the American culture um, was very different, but I feel like I adapted pretty fast. I assumed it must have been challenging, but it sounds like it wasn't, it was a pretty seamless transition for you? Um, it was challenging in the way that I didn't speak much English mm-hmm. and there were no other Burmese community. There was like no Burmese families or community around when I arrived. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had an amazing teacher in fourth grade, Mrs. Varga, who like welcomed me and she was like, hey guys, this is Tet from Burma. Like, please take care of him. Like he, you know, she was just like very like considerate mm-hmm. and and it was a pretty international class. We had kids from Turkey and Russia and Kenya, oh, uh, Korea. So even though like most of my like middle and high school, like the, the schools were maybe like 70 to 80% white, mm-hmm. um, that certain class in fourth grade was really international. Mm-hmm. And that was like a really cool transition into the American system for me. That's so great. Yeah. That's so interesting. So like compared to... I know it's hard to kind of see ourselves and analyze ourselves as kids, but what would you say is like something about you that changed after you moved to America compared to like how you remember yourself as a kid in Burma? Um, That is hard to to analyze because I don't feel like I changed that much. I was always like the more introverted, creative kid. Mm. You know, I was always drawing and I was known as like the, the, the kid who was drawing in class, like, um, that that's how I also like made friends from like I would I'd be drawing like Disney cartoons in, in the classroom and everyone would be like, Whoa, look at the Lion King or whatever. <laughs> Yo, that you, drew, you, know? <laughs> you must have been popular as fuck if you were like eight years old drawing Lion King. The kids <laughs> that drew yeah. well in in like grade school, they were like the rock stars. The rock stars. <laughs> you got Simba. <laughs> yeah, it was, like, Whoa, look, it's Sonic Simba. the Hedgehog. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny though to think back on yeah. it. Like I'd be drawing like X Men and like Dragon Ball Z, and people would be like going crazy. <laughs> I remember like the kid that knew how to draw really well in class. People would try to draw like buy his drawings. Do you remember that? Like in third or fourth grade, they'd I'm be like, so "How jealous. much you want for that?" I'm so jealous. Actually, yeah. <laughs> right? My friend and I, we we drew a poster of Cyclops from the X-Men and we sold it for like $3. We spent like literally Whoa. like five hours drawing and coloring this thing. We sold it for $3 <laughs> and we were so proud of it. Yo, you're a young hustler. I remember people would try to draw and, th- and then we found out there was this one kid that drew really well in fourth grade. Then we found out she was tracing. Wow. Candle of the, wow. of the semester. I never trace. That's, yeah, that's, <laughs> I never, that's I'm a big time on record. I never traced. Never <laughs> <laughs> I never traced. It was a scandal. We found like a whole pad of, of a tracing paper in her backpack. We were Yo. like, what's this? Yo, can, cancel her right Canceled. now. Cancel her. <laughs> this is derivative. So jealous. I remember in the third grade. <laughs> I, I didn't know how to draw, yeah. and so I would advertise my skill as being able to make any of the Pokemon sounds. Just name the Pokemon. That <laughs> was your thing. The, I can make the sound, and it was not as popular as being able to draw the Pokemon. I'll say that. It, was, it wasn't? Definitely oh not. Oh my god, Brian, your thing sucks. <laughs> Brian's thing was he could make the Pokemon sounds? Brian, that sucks. Hey, that was- You're a, like the poli- police academy guy. <laughs> 
Yo, this was me being very vulnerable and sharing like an embarrassing <laughs> facet of myself. And it was met with, yo, your thing sucked. <laughs> um, well, so Ted, it sounds like you've always identified as a creative person. Um, because you do photography and I'm kind of curious, like what drew you to photography and how did your par? how do your parents take all of that? Yeah. Um, well, first off, my parents are, they're, they're, they're very different from a lot of like other Asian parents that I've heard about. Like they were very kind of liberal. <laughs> I've heard rumor of these Asian parents yeah, that, <laughs> that implement corporal punishment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I, I definitely got punishment, uh, physical punishment, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> like yo, let's they, not they get were, it twisted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I, yeah. I mean, if you want to know, in Burma, it was it was rough. Like it, it was in the school system as well. Whoa, so what would they do? I was routinely. So like they would have um, these long sticks, like about about this long, um, uh, made out of bamboo, oh, and shit. they were they were meant just for hitting the kids. Um, <laughs> And so, so the, the thing is, like, if they're old, they're all like splintered at the yeah. end. So that's that sucks. But then, if they were new, like the teachers would brag about these brand new sticks that were really dense and hard. Oh and my god! It, it hurt. I hurt either way. Wait, where did they hit you um, with it? So for like spelling tests, for every word you get wrong, they would make you hold out your palm and, and strike your palm. Okay. Um, it's done. So that happened to me because I went to oh, school really? in Korea until the first grade. That's when I moved. And I remember that they would hit you one time per <laughs> word that you got wrong. And that wow. one time hurt so bad. It hurt like, Wait, right? This is our connection. Young yeah, me. but the palms, I like had a memory. So I was like waiting for you to say it. But in Korea, it was a ruler. It wasn't like a bamboo stick. Oh, no. we They, they have a whole industry in Burma making it just <gasps> to hit the kids. <laughs> Damn. Damn. They're so smart. So the marketing is straight up like it will never break even against the toughest bones. <laughs> yeah, even against the toughest kids. Um, okay, so you it's yeah. it's uh I, I was a really good student in Burma until my third grade because I knew I was leaving to the US. Mm. So I literally just stopped doing homework. Like I was like like screw this. Yeah. yeah. And that that's when I was getting hit a lot in school because I I, I became a bad student like overnight. Um, <laughs> Damn. So you were getting so hit smart, all the though. time. You're drawing Simba. No, you like gave line. up on the studies and you started drawing Simba really well. So straight up, you were like <laughs> a heartbreaker in third grade. All the girls like so rebellious and he draws good. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I was I was quite shy back in school. Wait, so you were saying that your parents are very liberal. So their thoughts on you being like a creative and a photographer, what, what are they? They basically let us do whatever we wanted you know they, they, they supported us um whatever endeavors they didn't try to push us in any way uh, my initial goal was like i didn't even want to go to college i just wanted to be a comic book artist for marvel drawing x-men and stuff like that um and back then like that was super nerdy you know like no one was reading x-men comic books it's not until now it's like all the marvel movies blew up that everyone thinks it's like cool to be with the avengers and x-men and stuff like that but I was like, yeah, I don't want to go to college. I just want to be a comic book artist. And they were like, no, no, like you have to go to college, even if it's like art school and maybe you can do graphic design or something. So I ended up going to art school. Oh, awesome. And your parents are fully supportive of that decision. Yeah, yeah, they were. 
And throughout this entire time, were you also taking photos? Um, I, I took a photo class, film black and white photo class in high school. I, I didn't really enjoy it or get it very much. And then I took another one in college and I was studying like filmmaking in college. So I was really drawn to cinematography and, and like, so that had a, I thought a big connection to photography and I, I would say it wasn't until after college when I traveled in Asia that I got really serious into photography and mainly street photography. And what is it about it that you enjoy so much? The way I approach it is like, like almost like a movie where if you look at a movie that has beautiful cinematography, it's like every shot is beautiful and it means something. And there's no kind of restrictions on what type of framing it is in terms of it could be a portrait of the actor or it could be a close up of an apple or it could be a landscape shot mm-hmm. of the setting. Right. So you can move in and out of different genres and photography. And that's how I approach it. I don't look at it like I, I want to do portraits or landscapes or whatever. It's a, it's like whatever looks good and it looks like it's part of a story. So that, I mean, it's just like a mental trick I do so that I can basically take pleasure in, in framing any type of photo as opposed to sticking to one genre of photography. Mm. Oh, that's such an interesting way to say that because, yeah, like when you look at a movie, it's not just like, oh, it's just like pictures of people. It's like every little thing has to look pleasing and aesthetically like pleasing. That's such an interesting way to look at that. Yeah. I mean, when I was in my younger 20s, I briefly dabbled with photography and I, and I liked street photography specifically. So I would go out in LA and shoot, but I think it also coincided with my emotional state at the time Mm. because I felt very lonely and like I had always felt like an outsider just from my upbringing in Texas and all my disparate experiences. Mm -hmm. And so it felt in a way like photography was this instrument for me to kind of lean into that identity a little more and then also Mm. be like, okay, well, I feel like an outsider, but then with this lens, it allows me to kind of see the world mm. from my eyes and then hopefully share that. And share that. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. Does that make sense to you at all, Ted? No. Yeah. I totally get it. I totally get it. Um, I, I feel like street photography, especially if it's like street portraits, mm. is actually a great way to interact with people that you would never interact mm. with and, and talk to strangers. I don't know if that's what you were doing, but, um, but even just going out, like the reason I love street photography is because it, it really brings you like it wakes you up to be in the moment mm. because you're constantly aware. Like in New York City, it's amazing because from block to block, if you're paying close attention, you can feel the energy change from block to block of like, oh, this is kind of the type of people that's congregating here. Right. And then, oh, the next corner is like, it's a different vibe. And I feel like it's a great way of just like being very present too. Right. I don't know if that relates to what you just said. No, no, it totally does. <laughs> no, that's and a really good point. Like when I was shooting regularly, it, it, it was like permeating my brain and like the way I saw the world, it had changed a little bit because I was sort of seeing things through framing and I would notice like details more closely. Mm prior to uh, like me shooting any sort of photographs at all. So that definitely resonates with me. And um, I just want to say like, 
your new book, your photography book down by canal. It's so gorgeous. And all of these, sh- like, I, I don't know, like your shots all have this dreaming quality to it. And, mm-hmm. um, what was like the inspiration for your, your newest photo project down by a canal? Yeah. Thank you. Um, it's to be honest, like it kind of just, it didn't even start as like a project. I just loved going, I just loved street photography, but especially Chinatown mm-hmm. because I always say it's like the most photogenic place in the city. Right. And I think when people think photogenic, it means like something like really pretty and decorative. But the fact that like the, the bright colors of the awnings of the stores, the bright yellows and the blues and the reds mixed with the, the neon signs mm-hmm. and and the grunginess of the streets, like I, I was always drawn to that kind of contrast. So, it, so yeah, I would just I would just go there and and photograph. And I think like you know when you describe like dreamy, I think that's just something I'm drawn to. It's like mm. a type of lighting um, that maybe evokes some sort of an emotion in me, whether it's nostalgia or something. Right. So I don't really think of. I'm not really conscious of it, but I'm drawn to that type of style. Yeah. So do you do you find that you take pictures afterward and then and then you see sort of like your aesthetic popping out? Um, yeah, I would say that's accurate right. because when I look back at my favorite photos that I've taken, they have like a similar visual theme. This could be me reaching Thanks. here. You mentioned the word <laughs> yeah. nostalgia, like you're drawn yeah. to images that evoke a nostalgia. Yeah. Um, do you think there's a connection there with you mm. like leaving Burma to come to the States? Like perhaps there's like a longing um, that uh, like reminds I mean, you it's, of it's actually, a little bit. When you say the word longing, that, that really connects, but mm. I, I don't think it has to do with Burma. Okay. I, I don't necessarily have a lot of attachment to physical locations like that. I've traveled a lot. Yeah. Um, to live in different places. But I mean, I could tell you, it's like a little bit of a personal story of, of the triggering of that, that sentiment of longing, mm. which is um, one time, um, you know, I, I dated this girl for two, two years, two and a half years. Mm-hmm. And she, she was like, she was great to me. And we were hanging out in uh, Hong Kong. I visited her, visited her in Hong Kong one time. Yeah. And she took me to the night market there and I was just like taking photos left and right. And she was like really kind of tired and kind of waiting for me patiently as I was taking photos. And she was like waiting under this like street lamp. And I took a photo of her while she was just like waiting for me. And I never really thought about it. You know, we broke up later and then I was going through my photos one day and I saw that photo and it was like this like this look of like longing and it just evoked such like an emotional response mm. in me. Mm. Um, I eventually deleted all the photos just because like, you know, I wanted to move on, but yeah. like that, that emotion kind of stuck with me. And I don't think it's just that photo, but like, like certain movies have that nostalgia and longing and, and the cinematography kind of reflects that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I'm making much sense, but like, I feel like that is quite a personal story. I mean, I, f- I just I, I feel like maybe that there's something that we or Brian picked up on in your photography that you are definitely, you know, sensing and wanting to express. 
Because I felt that too. I felt like that sort of like emotion being evoked in your work. I, I just want to say that what you just said about not being connected to a place, I feel that way too. And I moved around a lot as a kid. And I feel like a lot of um, Asian Americans or children of immigrants or immigrants themselves. That is like, I think... Remember Emmanuel? Oh, who's your friend, right? The photographer who was on here as well. Yeah, yeah. He, he also said something similar. Like he's like, you also use the word adaptable earlier on. And I feel like that too. Like, I feel like that's a big part of my personality. And I just always thought that that was just like part of who I am. But yeah. I wonder how much of like us being children who moved mid childhood, like how much that had to do with that being part of our personalities you know yeah no definitely um emmanuel is also very international and yeah I, th I think if you move around a lot especially as a kid you become like adaptable that way I, I always see myself like trying out new places to live in um but at the same time like i would like to just settle in one place and make a home soon yeah i, I definitely get that, that that sentiment and i think for me i've always settled in one place and I'm experiencing almost the opposite where I kind of want to uproot and mm. perhaps like bop around a bit and see more of the world and adapt. I feel like this is me like being a judgy wudgy, but like, I feel like because <laughs> you and I have, when I now as an adult, like if I travel, I'm like very, I'm like a very easy traveler. I don't have any problems. Like I don't get like very like nervous or stuff like that. Yeah. And if I, sometimes I travel with my friends and they're like very like, ah, Oh, like you know like yuck where am i i feel unsafe and i'm just like what a loser <laughs> like i judge people like that so harshly not not saying that that's you brian but all right well offense <laughs> taken <laughs> um Tet, so there's a there's a couple more questions that we wanted to ask you and so young me and i we're both korean and you know we know a lot about East Asian culture, I think just by through osmosis. bias and just osmosis and just a lot of the guests, like in our connections, we have a lot of East Asian friends. Um, as someone from Southeast Asia, what I want to learn or perhaps get your take on this is like, what do you wish more East Asians knew about Southeast Asia? Well, that's tough because... For example, being Burmese, like I don't actually meet too many Burmese people. Mm. Um, there is a Burmese community in, in, in uh, New York, but I didn't grow up with like Burmese friends and stuff like that. So whenever I have met Asian friends or dates or whatever, like statistically, they're going to be East Asian and mm. most likely Chinese and Korean. So I personally don't know too many like Southeast Asians in terms of like close friends and stuff. Mm. But I, I, I've, I have traveled a lot throughout Asia and there is like a big difference in culture between Southeast Asia and Asia or East Asia. I mean, um, for example, like if I had to compare like being in Thailand where I lived for a while and, and Burma as well. Uh, versus like being in China, um, the like Thai Burmese culture is like extremely like warm, mm. like extremely like welcoming. Um, you know, Thailand's called like land of the thousand smiles, and Burmese people are just known to be like extremely welcoming and almost like extroverted too. Like they're just invite you into their house, like mm. and just 
Whereas when I went to to China, at least the part I was at, which is like on the border of like Burma and China, mm-hmm. um, it was a bit more like um, it was not as welcoming. But I, I don't know. I don't know if that answers like because I, I don't know how to say. Yeah, I guess it's hard because you when you go to those parts of the world, you do feel like the difference in cultures. But it's also really makes me uncomfortable to be like. Like, cause I, I grew up in Korea and then I've also spent a little, a little bit of time in Thailand. And I just remember, you know, you just start logging all the differences and they become like these sort of unfair stereotypes, I guess. Cause I was like, why is everyone in Thailand so nice? (laughs) Why are Koreans so mean? Like I kept thinking that the whole time, which is, it's, you know, like I don't, I'm always like. I don't want to think that way because it's a little dangerous. Right. I mean, I'm only asking because I'd say most of my friends are just happen to be East Asian. And so I know that Southeast Asians, especially in terms of media representation, they're often misrepresented or not included in the dialogue as much. Right. And I think it's a huge blind spot in my understanding of just the Asian diaspora. And so, like I said up top, I'm like, I don't fucking know anything about Burma or Myanmar. I'm going to admit I'm an idiot and I'm just going to try to use this as an opportunity to like learn and have a dialogue and conversation. Do you feel that like, because a lot of what Americans think of as Asia is East Asia, do you feel that a little bit like you're, culturally a little bit lost in America in terms of representation? Mm, That's a good question. I don't know if I feel culturally lost, but I I definitely don't feel like I really belong to any group Mm. because even when I go back to Burma, like I don't really fit in as like, because my my way of thinking has become very Americanized. Mm. um, Mm -hmm. And when I'm around like um, Americans that grew up here, like 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 white Americans or whatever like that that where, where they can trace back where the parents have been here for a long time. Um, I feel also a bit like of an alien. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I ended up connecting with was like with Asian American cultures a, a bit more, and and statistically it's mainly like Chinese Americans as well, right. uh, or, or or Korean Americans. Um, I guess what I'm wondering is because you know like when when American people think of like, or when they say Asian American, it's mostly like Chinese, Korean, Japanese, East Asian, you know? And so do you feel sometimes like you're like, you're like mushed into this category and like, it's not completely fair because it's a totally different culture than yours. Cause I feel like there's levels of nuance and specificity to it all because to white people, if they just see any person with almond shaped eyes, then they're like, you're all Chinese and you're all Asian. There's yeah. no difference among you. But then I guess as a Southeast Asian person, like when you see a movie like Parasite, for instance, like, yeah, you're hyped about it. But then is there ever, ever like any part of you that's like, like, yeah, what, that's me, but it's also to do with not me? me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a great point because I mean, definitely when I see a movie like Parasite, I, I love Korean movies and cinema. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't feel like I, I can claim it in any way. Like, you know, um, in in terms of like being Southeast Asian, I guess I don't, I don't really view myself as like a Southeast Asian. Mm. I I just think of myself just like as an individual where I'm quite different in terms of like who I, the groups that I can belong to. Mm. Um, 
I've always wished that I had like a bunch of like Asian friends growing right. up. Like that I, I meet people like in New York, for example, where like, oh, like it's like if you're a New York Asian, you grew up in a, in like Brooklyn or Queens where there was also like a huge group of other Asians. Right. And I thought that would be cool to have that kind of for me, like at least like a brotherhood of like Asian American mm-hmm. friends like me. Totally. Uh, whereas growing up in upstate, it's like, you know, I was I was a small minority. It was mainly a white school. Yeah. Um, but then again, when I like meet the, the the Asian Americans in New York, it's like its own like little enclaves too, where it's like it's like mostly Chinese or like mostly Korean or Malaysian, maybe even Filipino. Um, and and it's like you know, for example, like Chinese or Korean, that culture is like different from Burmese. Yeah. Um, so I think if you kind of if I tried to try to think too much of that, then it, it just becomes more divisive. Mm-hmm. Like, and I don't I don't really like that especially for me personally because like what am i going to do try to find like a burmese american circle somewhere like right you know i'd rather just try and just befriend different people like i'd rather take that approach right. for myself so it seems like the 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 cultural similarities between east asians and southeast asians to you are stronger and more important than the differences do you think that's fair to say like that yeah it is it is fair to say that and i think that even like just Asia in general, like I I do find a familiarity with East Asians mm, too. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. if I go to like if I go to like um for example like if I met your families, I'd probably find like a certain familiar familiarity like as with my own. Yeah, you know? totally. Where, whereas if I go to like a white American friends home, like some of my best friends are, are white, but like when I go to their homes, like the dynamic is, yeah. the dynamic is just Awkward. like very foreign to yeah. me. Like, yeah. yeah the, the, especially the child parent dynamic yep. where theirs is more like almost like friends. Oh, and totally. My, 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 Makes my, me so uncomfortable. My, yeah. My, <laughs> yeah. My best friend calls like one of my best friends, he calls his parents by their first names and things Yo, like that's that. That's disrespectful you know? as fuck. <laughs> what do you mean? You're you're gonna go to your your friend's parents' house and you're not gonna be afraid of them. <laughs> what, what do you mean you call your dad? <laughs> what do you mean you call your dad Bob? <laughs> That's fucked up. This is what I'm gonna go to your house. I'm gonna be afraid of your mom and your dad. I'm not gonna say anything. I'm gonna eat all my food and then I'm gonna leave. And they're gonna offer me a beer. It's a test. I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna read the Bible or whatever, and then I'm gonna leave. <laughs> Um, this is another question we like to ask all of our guests, Ted, and that is, who do you date? So, like, growing up in Ithaca, um, I, I dated, like, mainly white girls, just because that's what I was, that was the population. Uh-huh. Yeah. And when I first, this goes back to, like, what you said earlier about East Asians and stuff, too. Like, as I got older, um, I had, I dated this Chinese-American girl, and, that, that's where I found like more like oh like more familiarity like there was just I felt more emotionally close but I don't know if that's necessarily cultural or personality right. match right. Um, but you know like the food the, the similarity and like the foods that we liked and and so after that I became like I dated more like Asian American girls and um, I became more attracted to Asian features whereas when I was younger, I, I wasn't as much mm. um, because I was surrounded by like, you know, what's beautiful is like white aesthetics, you know? Yeah. I have um, completely the same experience growing up in Texas too. But now like I'm very, just like, I'm very much open. Mm. Um, 
because I realized like they don't, someone doesn't necessarily have to be Asian American or Asian to, for me to connect with them. But having like, like an immigrant background, whether it's like their parents or, or them being like international, that, that I feel like I, I enjoy that. Like if, if they're more international, oh, you know what? That's so true. That is like a really good point. Cause like this was like, I feel like this was like more than a year ago. I went on a date with some random white guy (laughs) (laughs) and um, he was like, I was like, man, I just like, I don't know why I like really click with this person. We like have a lot in common. And then he was like, oh, well, like my parents are immigrants. They're like Irish immigrants. They're like from Ireland. Oh. And I was like, oh, I wonder if that has like something to do with it. It's like the immigrant thing, you know? I, I totally get that. Because you know I mean? there are a lot of white immigrants. Totally. Yeah. And I've, I've gone on dates yeah, with yeah. white girls who like have immigrant parents and we connect on that. Yeah. You know, it's like. Because yeah, you get you, hit with the, you the slipper. A, yeah, you have the same pain behind your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> slipper that's what we have in common right yeah well yeah. Tet, before we let you go we have one final question and this is what we ask to all of our guests and what is something that you're proud of god that's like the hardest question um <laughs> i don't i don't know like i i always enjoy like the process of what i do and Every time I finish, like, for example, like any creative project, whether it's like a photo I really like or or, or a beat that I made or whatever, like I, I like kind of like I really enjoy it. I'll, I'll, I'll kind of revel in it for a bit. But I never look back on my work to see like something that I'm like really proud of. And like and I don't mean that in some like self-deprecating way. Like and it's not like um, I feel bad about it. It's just that's. I don't think I, I've reached that point where I can look at a project and say like, this is like my, my mark. Like, I mean, I, I want to, and that's the goal, but I wouldn't say like, I'm but I feel like everyone's yet. like that. I think that's like all creatives. I feel like, you know what I mean? You always look back and you always see, you know, it's hard to be like, I mean, that's how I always felt about comedy and I paint. That's how I feel about my paintings. I mean, I like some right. of them. I feel like that's a common thread. But, but what, what's something that you're proud of, though? Because that's something you're not you're having a hard struggling with. What is something that you I mean, I, I really I mean, I really enjoyed this um, this book down by Canal that I finished. Yes. Um, it's uh, yeah. Like when I put it together, I was like, wow, like I've never really concentrated to, to put a photo project together before. And for it to kind of come together kind of organically and naturally. I, it was, it was just like a pleasure, the whole process. That's great. That's so awesome. And I think it's really important to highlight how you said that you enjoyed the entire process. Like you, you revel in the process of these things and that's hitting home for me right now. And this point in my life, because I, feel like I don't do that as much as I should Mm. like writing jokes and you know preparing for an acting audition like I don't know if I really revel in it or really enjoy like I approach it as a chore and then I focus too much on the results or the outcome of those of that hard work that's bad and it's bad and it's literally the entire like the if you've I don't know if you've seen the new Pixar movie soul but it grapples a lot with those 
themes and i've heard a lot about this movie, yeah it's great yeah. I, I like your stand-up by the way i've seen i've seen a clip and i thought it was really i thought it was really oh, good oh, well, yeah. thank you yeah. <laughs> yeah let's go funny man brian park oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah um wait can we ask where can our listeners um find your book or purchase it um so it's on my website at tetg.com h-t-e-t-g.com mm-hmm. um and it's on my instagram as well um Tetster, H-T-E-T-S-T-E-R. Awesome. How about you, Brian? Where can our listeners find you? You guys can find me on Instagram at It's Brian Park. And last night, you know, I was in that mood post three and a half mile run. I took some of Terry Wen's advice. I archived over 150 photos on my Instagram. You're so Gen Z now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we had a Gen Z person come on here and she said, you need to archive your photos. She's like, all these millennials oh, really? keep their embarrassing ass past up. <laughs> I have 1,500 photos. I, have, I don't like, know what I'm going to do. You're like, it's going to take too much time. Uh-uh, I give up. Um, and yeah, you guys can find my stand-up on my Instagram, on my uh, IGTV clip. Woo. And what about you, young me? Um, Instagram and Twitter at YMMayor. Um, TikTok, young me mayor. Your and- TikTok's blowing up. It's fu- I'm trying to focus on it because I feel like every time I like every three videos I make, one of them like Blows does up. pretty well. <laughs> and I'm like, this is my That's new awesome. career. But then it's also tragic because <laughs> it's TikTok and I'm in my 30s. <laughs> um, all right. And I'll please follow. Whoops. Please follow our podcast page on Instagram at Feeling Asian Podcast. And if you guys are looking for a sound engineer, you can hit up Sarah Pack on Instagram at IM underscore P-A-K. And one last time, thank you to Tet Jaw for joining us on this podcast. You can buy his new book down by Canal on his Instagram at Tetster or on his website at tetg.com. And I think that's it. Bye. Thank you. Bye.